slum, 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 gullion, slum, gullion, we've got season two of the slum, gullion, Jeff and Scott still host the slum, gullion, I still don't know what that word means, slum, do, 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 slum, gullion, we still got some guests on the slum, gullion, we're not showing breasts on the slum, gullion, should probably fade on the slum, Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to another edition of The Muppet Show. I am Beaker, and three time zones away is New Zealand. Good day, sir. How are the fish? I don't even know that character. The I can't let, fish. let alone do... Uh, an impersonation. I have no clue. Is that is that a is that a Muppet? The boomerang the fish guy. Okay, I don't know that one. Man, I'm I'm so something else. To get depressed about. <laughs> That's not it, sad, folks. We are not dead. Oh, you may have thought that we were dead. It's early in the show. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna make any definitive statements like that yet. We're not dead now. Okay, fine. I'm just saying, not now. Uh, Hang on, good wood. <laughs> exactly. Uh, fellow folks, we know it has been a while. Um, short version, there has been a lot of stuff, real-life personal stuff, going on in both of our lives that have just made it but impossible. Bef- before we get into it, yes, I'd like to just say first, you, you know I'm a bit of a sentimentalist. And I like to call up birthdays and anniversaries and special episodes. And I'd like to take just a moment. To note that this is a very special episode. This is our first, and I hope our last, annual Sick, Maimed, and Exhausted show. <laughs> That's right. Even we have we have just we've come back. We're gonna try and get back on schedule, but right now we're both fucked. <laughs> we've hit the personal misery trifecta. Jeff has got some sort of weather-induced uh, malady. Uh, Apparently, uh, the gods are playing ping pong with the state of Ohio. It's gone from what sixty degrees to ninety in yep. in a day. And uh, what? Yeah, well, all this week it was like last week it was like sixty seventies, not too bad. And then within the last like four to five days, it has been nothing but ninety degrees all week. Uh, you've heard me talk about the hawthening. Now we're into the tattooing. And now there's a huge thunderstorm going on. Oh, great. So, well, at least it's made... cooling down a little bit. That's the important thing. I mean, you don't walk outside and just immediately melt. But yeah, the No, weather... but I was thinking the way things are going, you might get struck by lightning, right? Which, you know, would be awful, although if, you know, if we actually caught it live on my that would be kind of awesome. Wow. But awful. Dude. Awful. Wow, no, I mean, awful. Dude. I mean, I mean really bad. You well, know, it's nice to know terrible. that my electrocution would provide you with entertainment for a few seconds until you went off. Or would I'm you go ab- off I, first and then go, yeah. You know what? I think my first instinct would be to go, aw. And then, upon reflection and review of the play, <laughs> the referees might go, ho, ho, whoa. So uh, we'll see. Understood, understood. But um, But thankfully, at least for me, I haven't been going through what you've had happen. Well, not you. Whatever you wish to go into, sir, please go. 
All right. Well, let me uh, just briefly, uh, because I I think we announced it at the end of the last show, we were going to be doing, and we still will be doing, but not in quite uh, as elaborate a fashion. We were going to have the new movie crew in to talk about Wonder Woman. Yes. Everyone was very excited about it. Nobody more so than Mrs. C herself, yes. Mary, Mary Clevenger. Um, this is how excited she was. Uh, we were watching the movie at uh, on the world's largest IMAX laser etched, hand illuminated by futuristic monks screen, <laughs> and at the Chinese theater. And about an hour into the film, she had to go to the bathroom, and she would just killed her. She held it as long as she could. And she said, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. She darted out. Um, and then she, uh, ten minutes later, no, five minutes later, actually, a um, an employee of the Chinese theater found me and said, uh, can you come? Your wife fell. And uh, she had some sort of mishaps done spilled soda or her shoe her heel caught on a tread something happened and she fell down a very steep flight of stairs uh because it was built in the days before they gave a crap about uh the infirm and the handicapped people like that had no business seeing movies if you weren't hailing hardy enough to trot up you know two flights of steep stairs when you're you felt the call of nature then don't look at the flickers. Look away from the magic lantern. You do not deserve it. Go back and and sit in your uh, sit in your room on your fainting couch and waste away with your laudanum nostrums. And watch uh, that newfangled, no, never going to last television thingy. Exactly. So sh- they had to call uh, EMTs, and she went to the. Uh, emergency room and it turned out she got something i think it's called a trimaxillary fracture anyway all three of the major bones in her ankle were fractured uh what what our friend dr alice called a hat trick um so that was bad she's she's had two surgeries uh she's got enough uh she's got enough metal plates and rods and screws in her ankle that right now, sitting in our living room, she's uh, setting off TSA equipment at the airport. In Ohio. In Ohio. And so she never got to see the rest of the movie. Oh. Uh, while she was in the hospital, uh, I, did, I did go see it with her permission so we could talk about it on the show. But, um, yeah, so she's been back and she, you know, I'm taking care of her. So uh, and then she, and she's developed this cough. You know, you know how people get have operations and then they catch some bug in a hospital Absolutely. and then they get pneumonia and then they die. Well, so that's happening. Um, hopefully not the last part. I was going to uh, say, gee, Scott, I, I know I'm taking a dark view of things. You're getting electrocuted. She's died of pneumonia. But I just really don't want to tempt the universe anymore. Yeah. I kind of want it to just go, OK, you've learned your lesson. Yeah, um, Exactly. So, yes. Yeah, so Spike Lee, we get it. Leave us alone. David Cronenberg, your friends are doing us no favors either. <laughs> I'm not laughing. That's, that's, that's for, that's for old time listeners who remember the rabbit show. <laughs> so anyway, just to sum up, uh, lots of coughing, lots of getting up and helping uh, her to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Lots of not sleeping. So this I I am brewing coffee now like a mummy brews tana leaves. Oh, you had to say mummy. Yes. 
Yes, I did. You did that on purpose, didn't you? Yes, I did. You're a bastard, but that was really good. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> All righty, then. Fuck the mummy. Fuck the mummy, fuck its tata leaves, fuck everything about that film. Uh, but this is the part where we'd say, oh, hey, uh, there's probably going to be spoilers, but I don't think it's actually physically possible to spoil something that is already this rancid. I'm, and you know what's hysterical? The thing that amazed me is there were people, it, like, I don't think anybody in the audience, and it was a fairly full audience, Liked it. They weren't prepared for it at all, were they? I don't think. I think people were just sitting there going, like, I, I heard. I heard somebody like two seats behind me make the joke that we've been making since the trailer came out. This is Mission Impossible with a mummy. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. It's fucking Mission Impossible, except Ethan Hunt is replaced with a even more of a douchebag. Yeah, Tom Cruise's character is a douchebag. Well. I, that's I fight him so in every movie, even movies that insist that he's likable. But no, I, this I realize... character, he is intentionally a douchebag. Oh, well, that's a different, fresh twist on the Tom Cruise gestalt. Tell me more. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't see this, by the way. I, I, I stuck into Wonder Woman while my wife was in the hospital, but uh, since she's been home, I have not left the apartment. So I have not seen Mummy Impossible. I, I, but I, I have heard Jeff... Uh, Cry out to the heavens. Yeah, so. I did. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I was so happy when I got the, I posted a, 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 a tweet that said something like, uh, fuck the mummy, fuck it hard, fuck it fast, and get rid of it like the disease-ridden, methodicate horror that it is. And something like that, yeah. It was, and I was so happy because I got a response from Mrs. C going, Jeff, tell us how you really feel. And I was so happy that she was on Twitter for that moment because I was, I was worried about it because this, this is after she'd come home. So it, that was just a nice little that diffused my my ire just for a little bit, just to know that okay, at least she's enjoying social media for a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm glad that made you happy because because your tweet made her happy because here was a movie she didn't have to feel bad about uh, not seeing, no. and she was she was she was up for or she was agreeable to seeing it. We 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 talked about seeing it for the show and okay. and discussing it. Uh, well, you and I talked about it, right? right, right. And, and 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 she she wavered, and then finally said, "Yeah, no, I will go see it," and that became impossible, but also undesirable. Uh, yeah, it it, it is Higgs. I was going to make a Mission Impossible joke there, but I'm not going to. Here's the big thing. Here 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 is the biggest problem of the many with this movie. Anybody who is a universal monster film fan knows that what made those films what they are, the reason that they still resonate, how many years now, 70, like how many years has it been? Almost like over 70 years, 70 years? Uh, I believe the mummy, the mummy came out in the, the Carla mummy came out in 32, I believe. Okay, so remember this. We're talking films from the 30s and 40s. The reason that these films still resonate today and why people still love them is entire... Well, besides the fact that several of them were brilliantly written and directed, it's the... I'm looking at you, Bride of Frankenstein. Um, the main reason is 
every single monster from Dracula, even Bela Lugosi's Dracula to a degree, down to the creature from the Black Lagoon, had something that audiences could, you know, I mean, not, not exactly relate to, but just latch on to. They weren't just monsters. There was something about them that you could appreciate, enjoy, sometimes even feel sorry for. Creature for the Black Lagoon. My God, Frankenstein's monster is one of the most... You know, I mean, how can you not feel bad for Boris Karloff's monster? Well, exactly, and and, and, I, go ahead. and when you say you say you don't want to you don't want to go so far as to use the word relate, I will. I will say that there are there purpose purposely things about the monsters in the Universal Canon that are are designed to make the audience identify to a degree with the monster. Okay, obviously, obviously not at the expense of the heroes, but the heroes come and go. The heroes change with every movie. The monsters are, are the connective tissue between exactly. them. And and you look at at um, Karloff in in the original Mummy, and there is no more easily relatable motivation for a monster than thwarted love, and, not even unrequited love, love that was yours, that you were entitled to, yep. that you lost, that was taken from you. And anybody who's ever from from someone who had a uh, you know, some sort of tragic misunderstanding uh, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or someone who just lost a loved one or a close friend. Every Anyone can identify with what drives Karloff through that film. Clearly, you know, he's he's employing unholy means. And ultimately, it's it's a sort of non-consensual astral transfer <laughs> uh, and body hijacking. But still, it's it's he's not just this. He's not just the Terminator. I mean, the Terminator, as much as I like that movie, it is a very boring monster. As when when the the thing that makes him scary, he can't be reasoned with. He can't be uh, appealed to. He can't. So all that's like, well, that makes it just that's that's like me trying to get a Windows 10 machine to work. <laughs> now, same stuff. Let's flash forward to the next incarnation of the mummy the brendan fraser series now well, well we're, let, let's let's take one second real quick to to point out that that the 40 the the the, the mummy revival in the 40s the chorus oh uh, yes chorus was wasn't really as well certainly not as charismatic but then he 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 was he was in rappings the whole time um and Karloff had had the advantage of playing it uh, in civvies, for the most part, um, Karis is more of a uh, relentless sort of, you know, uh, supernatural hand of justice. He is less appealing to me as a character. Understood. Um, th those those movies are more dependent on the heroes and the uh, the character actors that they bring in and whatever the the story is. I mean, they were cheaper and they they didn't have quite the, the same appeal, but. But still, Karis worked really well. And let's not forget the the uh, Christopher Lee mummy. Oh, absolutely. That, absolutely. That Hammer did, which was, I believe, the first slow-moving monster that was turned into a fast-moving monster. If you see, I mean, the Karis, you know, s drags himself around the, the various tombs um, where he's chasing people. And really... You know, if, if you knew your way around, you, you shouldn't have any problem outrunning cars. Um, but 
the Christopher Lee mummy, one, he's got a guy's got really long legs. That's an advantage. <laughs> that's an advantage to any sprinter. But when he gets going, he he can move. Yeah. That mummy can move. Yeah. So um, there was something very scary about the the hammer mummy, if only because it, it was it was uh, surprisingly threw away your expectations. And that and again that film that film worked because as you said there was it, it defied expectations and it was actually a different take. So it mm-hmm. did something very very interesting and it worked. Okay, so now we go to the next Universal incarnation, the Brendan Fraser series. Now I'm going to ignore the third one, and I'm going to ignore the second one because I think they both sucked. And I'm just going to focus on the first one, which had some issues personally, but I did like it. And even in that one, Arnold Vosloo's mummy was, again, thwarted love. Now, granted, he was much more of the unrelenting evil than than Boris Karloff's was. Of course, the special effects were bigger, face and everything, blah, 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 that. But still, you could almost understand why Arnold Vosloo's mummy was doing what he was doing almost. Yeah, you know, here here's a problem with CGI, and I, and I know I'm I, speaking of relentlessness. I am relentless in complaining about it, as much as I think it's it's a terrific tool and and uh, a, a terrific aid to imagination. There's literally nothing you can't do in a movie now, um, but there's also lots of things you shouldn't do that people do do because they can do. And one of the things about CGI is you can. I mean, uh, Karloff's sorcery was the kind of thing that was done around an eerie reflecting pool mm-hmm. with some light sources that threw dancing shadows and was mm-hmm. very moody and very suspenseful and created a sort of a slow, tightening knot of dread in the middle of your chest. Um, when you get to the CGI era and you start, and granted, uh, that was, it was still fairly early because um, the, the CGI effects are pretty obvious. Uh, in the movie, they're, they're, they're not nearly as seamless as they are now. Much um, more so in The Mummy Returns. Let's not talk about the Scorpion King. Okay, let's not. Although it was hilarious. Um, it, it was funny, but not in a good way. No. Uh, when, you give, when you give your monster more powers, you make him less interesting. Because the, it's a, Karloff's not, you know, calling you know, thousands of scarabs to do his bidding and consume. He's got a scroll and he's muttering stuff. And, and, and it sounds dull, but it's weirdly hypnotic because it's staged and acted brilliantly. And it creates, it creates a, you know, a, a mood that carries through into other scenes, even with the, the, um, the hero and the heroine and, and, um, the the uh, Van Helsing character. I can't remember. Okay, his name. hang on. Also, hang, hang on for a second here. I need to get this out because the more we're talking about the Good Mummy movies, the more pissed off I'm getting again. Okay. So let me just get this out so I can, so we can move on to better things. Okay. The Mummy in the New Mummy, played by, and I can't think of the actress, but she's the Sophia only Sophia Butella. The only person that I re- the only thing that I really enjoyed in Star Trek Beyond. And she was also great in Kingsman. Yeah, very, very true. But as a matter of fact, slight tangent, Star Trek Beyond is on, just came up on Hulu, and um, Mom watched it today because she hadn't seen it yet, and I was watching a little bit, and I watched a couple of her scenes in it, and I'm like, damn, she's really, really good in this film. But here is the problem. As good as she is, and she is good, the mummy in this movie is just pure evil. 
That's mm-hmm. it. She was evil in the past. She's evil in the present, and she's using and she wants to turn Tom Cruise's douchebag character into Tom Cruise's evil character. Uh, that seems almost too easy. You know, it's interesting that w- when you told me that, I, I was really surprised, and then I wasn't surprised at all. And let me tell you why. Um, shortly before The Mummy came out, there was a push by Sofia Boutella and by uh, some of the producers involved in the production and, and uh, various people who were promoting it for, for the studio, who said that, oh, she's a very interesting feminist character because she was supposed she was destined to be queen and then it was taken from her because a son was born and the patriarchy did her dirt and now she's seeking she's seeking not just revenge but what what is her due through the centuries blah 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 and i said okay that's kind of interesting i I, that was one of the things that made me want to see it okay um and it turns out that that's kind of complete nonsense not really in the movie based on what i've read and what you said nope and I think what they were doing was mopping their brows with with uh, uh, preliminary flop sweat, seeing what people were getting excited about in regards to Wonder Woman and desperately trying to latch on to her coattails and say, no, no, we're we're a feminist icon, too. And we're blah, blah, blah. blah. I, so had not, I had not heard just that story. Oh, they flat out lied. Yeah. No, I had not heard that story. But now hearing that, that's exactly what they were doing. Good call, Scott. I, that that's horrible. That that is just that is just, that makes me even madder now. And the worst part of this, the absolute worst. I mean, okay, that was bad. That that irritated me, and I could have forgiven that. But what really made me angry about this film is that there is a good film in here. Now, a they could have made it a good film simply by giving the the mummy character a little bit of some sort of semblance that you could relate to her, so she's not just the evil force. That would have helped. One or two lines, a little bit of performance, that could have worked. But no, there is an interesting film that has that has nothing to do with the mummy, and that is the Henry Jekyll storyline. Um, I loved the stuff that everybody else didn't like. Oh, are people? People didn't care for that. They're saying it's too much exposition. It's too much blah, 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 this. It's too much blah, 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 that. But I got to tell you, I found the entire concept of Henry Jekyll running an organization that was going after monsters endlessly fascinating. What 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 the reasoning for the shared universe, I want to know more about. And all I kept thinking from like every time they, that he, that um, Henry Jekyll was on screen. And it's a, it's a great performance by Russell Crowe, by the way. He's great. Oh yeah. I love Henry Jekyll. I I want, I want his own movie now. I do. I want to see a Henry Jekyll film, Mm -hmm. but um, every time they were on, I'm just sitting there going, this is what the first film should have been. The mm-hmm. first movie, if you, if they knew they were going to start a shared universe movie, let a, a shared universe, let their first film be the film that explains it. Yeah. And not just make the explanation like, you know, a little bit of dialogue here or there. There is so much about that organization that I want to know about. And I, it just it just now after watching that movie, I'm like, I don't even know if I care. I am worried as fuck about Creature from the Black Lagoon. Like I told you when we were talking, I, they're going to make it a horror film. Mm-hmm. They're going to make it a straight out-and-out horror film. Um, I don't know who's doing Invisible Man. I know Johnny Depp's not, but I don't know who's writing it or directing it. The only thing that gives me hope about the Dark Universe right now is Bride of Frankenstein. 
and the only, and again, that's one of my favorite Universal films of all time, and the only reason that I have high hopes for it is that this re, this remake reboot of, of Bride of Frankenstein is being written and directed by Bill Condon, who, if you don't know, wrote the amazing film Gods and Monsters about James Whale, the director of Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Gods and Monsters, Ian McKellen and Brendan Fraser hunt this film down. It is amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a good biopic, and, and it, it has a, a, a remarkable performance uh, by Ian McKellen. I think both of them are great. I, uh, I, I'm, he, it's one of, I think it's a career high for Brendan Fraser. I think, I think he's... Um, granted, that's not saying much considering some of his choices, but that film, yes, I agree with you. But it did. It does prove that he can act when when he doesn't simply go for a paycheck. You know what? Let, let me really let, let me rewind real quickly to fit because we, we've kind of uh, circled around the point that I was. I was oh, I'm so uh, sorry. No, 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 no. No, I mean you're kind of getting to it. Um, what what I started to say was uh, when you give your monster more powers, you make them less interesting because when there's CGI going on. They just sort of stand there and they raise their arms or whatever. And, the, you know, and, and uh, you know, a, a sandstorm comes in or, you know, I say, you know, there's there's an army of beetles or something that ju- they just become this sort of ringmaster, you know, pointing and, and clicking. And then the, the special effects come in and they become the object of, of the film. So. You know, and, and in the Carla film and, and in all of the earlier monster movies, the monsters kind of had to give an account of themselves one way or another. Even when you've got um, uh, Frankenstein's monster who doesn't speak much, he, he still interacts with people and, and there's still there's still emotions and there's 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 still information being exchanged. And I'm sorry, uh, real, real fast. Karloff's last line in Bride of Frankenstein, we belong dead. How can you not go? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, go on. I'm I'm very. I, I'm, I'm I, I am very leery of them doing Pride of Frankenstein because it's not simply one of them. it's not it's not only one of my favorite well it's it is my favorite uh, Universal horror yes. movie but it's one of my favorite movies period I think if anybody um, can pull it off though it's going to be Bill Condon well, we'll see well he, um, kn- he knows the material at least I think he respects the material. He does he does um, I don't know that Bride of Frankenstein can have the same power if it's here if it's not a sequel if it's not building on if it's not building on frankenstein i mean there was a lot of there's a lot of what pays off in bride of frankenstein that is in some way that pay, that is due to uh emotions that were evoked or images or performances you know, that were created for Frankenstein. So that is, we'll, that is very true. You, you have, you have a very valid point there. I'm hesitant, but at least there is a writer director who I know knows the material and respects the material. So I'm leery, but I, I have much higher hopes for this than anything else in the shared universe. Well, the, the one I'm most excited about, the one I have the highest hopes for is the invisible man, really? because yes, because uh, there's a very good chance that it will star Johnny Depp and you won't have to look at him through almost the whole movie. But I'm bummed. Gotcha, gotcha. That's, that's also yeah. It's also why um, uh, I, I so enjoyed uh, Kevin Bacon's performance in Hollow Man. 
I'm leaving that alone. Um, <laughs> okay, enough crap. Uh, enough crap. One real short thing, and then we'll get into the other happy thing. Let's talk Black Panther for a second. Let's. So, as everyone knows, Wonder Woman, which we will be getting to shortly, um, pretty much broke the box office. Yeah. And deservedly so. And, you know, I mean, DC has finally done it. They finally did a film that everyone liked. Mm-hmm. You know, it's wise all over the place. Everyone freaking loves it. Marvel, being the competitive little douchebags that they are, couldn't even let DC enjoy it a week. <laughs> as much as I enjoy the trailer, we'll get to that in a second. Let, let's call this for what it is. Come on now. They, were, they, they, they wanted to steal Wonder Woman's Thunder. There's nothing else. That's the only reason they released it when they did. I think I think they wanted to stay relevant and they didn't want everybody. I, I, I they're in comp. They, as you say, they're in competition. It's it's like it's like a football game. You know, somebody scores an amazing, you know, 90 yard run. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you're just like, OK, yeah, that's fine. Um, well, you know what? Let's just stop the clock and let them enjoy their moment. It's, but I mean, it's no, like Marvel's going, okay, we'll we'll let you have a few days for your woman superhero that we haven't done yet, but now look what we're going to do that you haven't done yet. I don't think you're right about this. I, you, I, I think... This is just me being, this is me being a cynical dick, I freely admit. Understood, and it's completely plausible. I, and, and I, being every bit as cynical as you are, I am inclined to believe it, but evidence there's evidence against it okay because you don't put something together like that it wasn't even a trailer you don't put a teaser together like that in a short amount of time solely based on um you know the 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 weekend box office numbers for one of your competitors films you just don't they've been they've been brewing that for a while they've been agonizing over what they may have had that trailer they may have had that trailer for a yeah. while. Yes. I'm if, just saying if they were when sitting they on it. Yes. yes, they may have. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't just decide to make it because they oh, were. Oh no, 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 no. But I don't yeah. think they, no, they, I, they, I do they, not they, think that they were doing that. Oh no, they had that trailer for a while. But I just think that, that when they released it, that was a deliberate you. You know what? I think they've been. They were afraid. I don't want to say afraid. That's. I, I think they were reticent. Oh, concerned. Okay. Concerned that Wonder Woman was going to be the breakthrough DC movie. I think there have been indications for quite a while. So I think what all they did was their due diligence. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, You're right. You're right. I know. I'm just, again, I'm just being a cynical dick. That being said, (laughs) that being said, my God, that was a great trailer. Not even a trailer. It's a a teaser. It was a two and a half minute teaser though, dude. I know. Most teasers are like 90 seconds. That was a trailer. I'm just going by what they're saying. I know. As we know, words mean nothing anymore. Of course. (laughs) We're not going to get into that. But um... yeah, because I because if we were, I would point out that when you said everybody loves Wonder Woman. Yes, everybody did, except the men's right assholes who were all who couldn't get over the fact that there were ladies only screenings at the Alamo Draft House. I don't even want to go it. I'm. I don't even want to give that shit 
for airtime. That's just. But, you know, I I agree, but I I think I think that if these guys got over it and did go to see it, if uh, it with their, I almost said with their girlfriends, that's not going to happen. No, that's that that's not that doesn't occur in this world. No. But let's say with their buddies, um, and uh, let's say they go see the mummy, and they they walk out of it, they're depressed because. Uh, Tom Cruise is a douchebag and there's a lady villain. And so they go, well, I can't feel any worse. Let's just walk across the cineplex. And we'll go see Wonder Woman. And I think they would feel good about it. I think they would walk across. <laughs> okay. Because I think competence is its own reward. Even if you are disturbed that, you know, white males are getting edged out of their preeminent position in uh, cinema, world cinema that they've occupied since, uh, you know, the late 1890s. Uh, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. Well, we're, we're, I don't want to get into that. But I just think that, that um, the power dynamic has really shifted. And I cannot wait to see how Warner Brothers in DC managed to fuck this up. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's... I'm counting on – I well, I was counting on Justice League coming in and reminding people, going, oh, that's right. These are what these are. Oh, yeah, that's right. We hate these. But who who knows how much of the footage – is going to be is being reshot by Joss Whedon, so it may have it may have a fairly light Snydery fingerprint on it. But we'll we'll get to we'll get to that in a second. Like I said, I do wanna I do. What did you think of the trailer? Did you watch it finally? Because I know I sent well, you a text saying you need to see this now. I watched it several several times, and the reason the reason I agree it's a it's a teaser is because it's the the way it's edited well yeah there was no plot it was all it was just random images truly and very and very quick because teasers tend to have very quick shots of things and nowadays all that does is ensure that the geek sites will give them coverage because they'll say hey the new black panther trailer is up and then an hour later they'll be going here's everything we saw in the black yep. panther trailer and then they, they've got the screen caps and then here's oh, all yeah. the easter eggs in the black panther trailer so it's it's just do a you market. know do you know how many easter eggs in the black panther trailer videos that i have seen on i haven't watched but i mean that i've seen the thumbnails for on youtube 12 to a carton i presume and that, good counting exactly but needless to say guys if you have not seen the black panther teaser yet it's everywhere check it out i am I'm about as excited for Black Panther now as I am for Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, take uh, take take the trouble to you know if you got a slow connection or something uh, to download it if you have to, uh, but watch it in high def. Yeah, you need there's... to see it in high def. The the colors and the imagery, and I'm 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 starting to give Marvel credit. Feige did say that they that they were going to start exploring new avenues of the Marvel universe with Doctor Strange and making things a little different. And Doctor Strange, so far my favorite film in the MCU. Thank you God you didn't fuck that up. But we've had that discussion already. Started that, and once again, just that teaser looks like we're going to get a whole new universe. And the thing that I really, really want, and I know it's not going to happen, but I really, really hope, is that um, Andy Serkis and Martin Freeman are the only two major white characters in the movie. <laughs> well, I do, uh, yeah, major. I, I, I do hope that some of the um, some of the other heroes make uh, cameo appearances because I, I, it's only it's possible. Fair. It is possible, but for, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. But I, I really, really hope that for the most part, this film takes entirely in Wakanda and Whitey is nowhere to be seen. Okay. 
just because I just I, I that would be just on a pure and not even and I'm not even th- I'm not even thinking of it as a as on a well it's about time you know like Luke Cage was a predominantly was all black exploitation when I'm like I'm not it's not even that it's just like it'd be something different and if, if Marvel is saying they're going different now fucking go balls out and do it mm-hmm. and I'm it's that's it's I'm really really I can't believe that I'm actually getting excited about superhero films everyone knows my feelings about superheroes they're lukewarm at best uh, you know depending on the film it depends on the film I'm no much, I mean super you 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 didn't qualify superhero I'm sorry about how you feel about superheroes oh superheroes in general yeah i'm I'm very I'm very lukewarm about the entire you know genre in general there are certain characters that I have liked over the years but mostly when it comes to the movies I just approach each individual movie as a film I'm not going in going oh boy new Captain America film or oh boy a new Thor film yay or um <laughs> although I will say where the fuck is a black widow movie but that's neither here nor there um I'm actually genuinely starting I'm starting to think that maybe Infinity War might actually be not a clusterfuck. Yeah, I, I have I have hopes based on on Marvel's track record. And here's the thing that's interesting to me that whether, however you feel about superheroes, whether you just you, you think they're idiotic or not. I mean, they go back to Gilgamesh or, or yep. you know, the war in heaven. I mean, yep. superheroes, superpowered individuals, supernatural individuals are as old as human storytelling. Yep. So the, the fact that people are, are, you know, get shirty about it does, cuts no ice with me. But they are, it is the place where the most interesting things are being done in the action movie genre lately. And I think it's because... Um, the characters themselves are iconic and care and have history and they, they pay some attention to that. So they do what they don't do with, you know, generic action, 10 pole episode number one that hits, you know, your, your, your cineplex every summer where they, they're just trying to come up with, you know, those, those five great um, action set piece trailer moments. And they really don't develop the characters because why bother? Um, they have to because they will get their ass handed to them yep. critically and by their audience if they don't pay attention to the emotional um, lives of the characters and what because especially with Marvel that was Marvel's thing the house of ideas they yep. they took the iconic heroes that DC had been uh, had been running since since the 30s and the 40s and they made them screwed up they made they gave them real world problems they made them identifiable they made them relatable yep. um and here's the thing the the mcu right now is to me is our universal monster movie universe it's what i i feel about these movies the way i'm sure a kid in the depression or the 40s would have felt about the universal monster movies i got gotcha. you you know that's it's it's this world that you are excited about and every time they add to it you you want to be a part of the the experience. So See, now I am officially getting there. Mm-hmm. And it was it was Doctor Strange. I, 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 Doctor Strange was the turning point for me. I, 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 everyone knows how I feel about Strange and how how much for me was writing on that film and the fact that they knocked it out of the park 
just made me exceptionally happy. And I think just, I, I don't know what, maybe, I just, maybe now I'm just more accepting for it. But like I said, I mean, I I'm, cannot wait for Thor Ragnarok. Now I cannot wait for Black Panther. And one last little bit of Marvel news before we get to um, DC. Uh, I have heard that um, Jessica Jones Season 2 is going to come. Oh, good. Uh, it's gonna. It will be uh, supposedly 2018 is going to be a very big year for the Marvel Netflix. Um, apparently, because um, we are getting, we, they haven't. They, they've announced everything except an Iron Fist season two. You know, I which liked. Kind Iron of Fist upsets more. me, but I like the show. I like the show too, and I loved uh, Jessica Henwick as Colleen Wing. Yes. way more, way more than I should for a married man. Um, but and and I kind of and I hope they come back because I think they could not have helped but learn from some of the mistakes they made. Um, the thing about I, I it seemed odd to me that there was any question about Jessica Jones coming back. It's not an expensive show to do. It's it was wildly popular. Well, we hadn't we had heard nothing. That's that's, not, that was that, that's what worried me. Yeah, yeah no, but they, they, they have announced it. We are going to we are going to get a season two. Um, apparently, there are already plans for a a second season of defenders already really they and they had, or they're okay. thinking about they're already thinking about it and plus the other one that i cannot freaking wait for is of course the punisher season one right john bernthal's frank castle oh bernthal you escaped walking dead more power to you way to go man <laughs> the um yeah, I one thing about Netflix is they they all networks do, but I you think that they would be different. They really play it close to the vest about what they're going to renew and what they're not, and they really make people sweat. And maybe it's a marketing thing. Maybe it's like, well, oh, they they may not renew it. They may take it down. So I guess I better I better watch this show everyone's talking about. And I admit I have done that. There have been shows that people have said, oh, you should see this, and. I did not get on it right away, and then I, then I realized, oh, they may pull it down because they do that, so I better catch up. That was um, me with House of Cards. Yes, exactly. House of Cards is an excellent example. Um, and I, ca- I came into that um, the first season that I started watching when it aired when it, when they released it was season four. Mm. Yeah, I found out about it right before season four was or I started hearing about how great it was right before season four started airing. So I watched the first three to prepare for it. And oh, my God, the new season. Oh, yeah. I haven't. I haven't oh, my, yeah. It's just it hasn't. <laughs> it's just as good. But that's neither here nor there. No, I the point the point I was going to make one last point about that is that they, they're they're the way they're playing things close to the vest so far as their plans uh, for renewing shows is making a lot of people in the uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 fandom freak out a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. You, we know. Come on. Oh, we know there's going to be another season. Considering how well that did. Right. I mean, the thing about it is they you you can you can make guesses for network shows because network numbers are somewhat transparent. I mean, they have internal numbers that people don't see, but they usually leak. And anyway, you can always look at the Nielsen or, or whatever, whatever the, um, the ratings are. Netflix, you have no idea. They do not, they don't release um, numbers at all. But some people were saying things like, well, look, it's, it's a, it's a very cheap show to produce. They really, the capital costs so far as building the sets and, 
you know, all that have have been covered by the Kickstarter. So right. it's not like they have. Um, so they're probably going to renew it. And I would be surprised if they didn't considering how much positive uh, attention it got from all the all the geek sites and and even some of the mainstream um, some of the mainstream media magazines. Which like reminds Variety. me, what episode are you on now? Finished everything but the holiday episode. Okay, the, 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 okay. So so you're the same boat that I am now. Yep, seen it, seen it all except. Okay, so what'd you think overall? Uh, overall, I think it's very strong. I. Uh, I think it's it's a little hard to get. Um, uh, it doesn't give me quite the the warm fuzzies that that uh, the first one did. I remember right when I discovered it early on in Comedy Central era, and Joel was the host, and I would uh, I would with bad insomnia, and I would watch tapes. Kind of just to put myself to sleep. Oh yeah. Uh, there was something. There's something very, not just funny, but very soothing about them. And there it's, is, it's still my sleep thing. I still put on oh. this science theater to go to bed. It's it's amazing how well that works. It is. Uh, um, it it's very funny. It's I, I think it suffered slightly by the fact that they did not record the riffs live. That they recorded them in studio and then they basically just mimed in front of the. Um, the, the screen and I know they did a lot of that because they were doing effects and the road so you know Tom was flying and Crow was walking around and they were picking up props and all that. Um still I could have done with less of that and more of uh, a greater sense of spontaneity. But it's I think it's as funny uh as as the shows I remember. I mean every every episode has its had its classics and, and its so what's um I think, by and large, most of the episodes are strong. Uh, I don't think there's any one that I would never watch again. There's a few mystery science, like, uh, oh, Kitten with a Whip. I don't need to say that again. Um, <laughs> just to take one at random. Uh, and there's not. I mean, granted. There, For it, me, it's Manos. For me, it's Manos. I know. I know how you feel about Manos. <laughs> I, understand, I understand how you feel about Manos, but I, I love Manos. Manos, to me, is hilarious. And it is. No, it's, no, it's, a, it's a phenomenal mystery science theater. I just can't watch it. I understand. Um, but I, I, it absolutely deserves a, a second season, and I think whatever small problems there are will be ironed out in the second season. Oh, and I this think will make you fact, happy. Oh, God. I was just going to say that they are taking it on tour. They're going to do they're doing live shows all around the country. They're going to they're going to riff uh, Ega, supposedly 100 percent all new riffs, even though the the season five Ega that they did was was I consider one of the great classics of mystery science. And then they're going to do something that that uh, they will only they will only announce on opening night of the first show, which I think is in Boston. They're so I'm doing to- Ega again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Fine. All right. Yeah. All right. I got to say, all right, I'm going to throw this out there and then we'll go on to something happy. I am kind of getting sick of, um, well, especially mostly riff tracks. But now that I know they're doing Ega, yay, of them doing the same films with new riffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first how time many I encountered... times how many times has riff tracks done Night of the Living Dead? Uh, Mike did it first. 
just by himself. Right. That, then uh, when he brought Bill and uh, Kevin Murphy, Bill Corbin, Kevin Murphy on, they did another version. Then they did a third version, which was done, which they did live. live right. Uh, and we saw, uh, Mary and I saw them do it at the, the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica. Oh, you saw them live? Yeah. Oh, you bastard. That, yeah. And then now, now they're doing the, the um, Fathom uh, simulcasts. But it was, there was at least, yeah, at least three versions. Uh, the first, the first time, I guess, I guess that was no, the, yeah, because because they didn't do it on Mystery Science Theater. The first time I encountered a re-riff was when uh, Joel's um, get the, getting the band back together group, Cinematic Titanic, yeah, yeah, took on took on Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, which they did in season three of Mystery Science Theater. Again, a classic holiday episode. I did not know their, Cinematic Titanic did that one. I missed that one yes. completely. Okay. And again, all all new riffs, um, and pretty pretty strong. Okay. Uh, I, I went into it with a lot of trepidation. Uh, it, it's, it's, but we, we we Mary and I have a tradition of watching the Mystery Science Theater, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians every Christmas Eve. So it's it's like when they didn't have a joke in the cinematic Titanic one, we our minds both supplied the ones from the of course MS, because we've memorized it. Um, that was fine. Um, but now it, they really riff tracks. I, I grant you riff tracks is all about volume. They grind out a lot of material. They got a staff, you know, they got a staff of writers and, and they, they do a lot of stuff and they, they find a lot of movies that you didn't, you never heard about. And they unearth very a lot true. of, a lot of shorts that were never done on mystery. Science very, very I think, true. I think are great. That's some of the best stuff they do. I think with riff tracks for me and that riff tracks always runs out of gas in the, like at the, hour and 10 minute mark you know about like slightly past the middle point of any feature they do they start to run out of gas then then they get back up to speed for the end like uh, i've always said with the mystery science theaters i the middle section always tends to get slow for me oh it's like a, all the ripping which is why i always did everything i did i always was like a, the longest one i did was an hour right uh, that, and that, that's just me. I just I think that type of humor is best confined for shorts. I really do. Because I think the best stuff they do is the shorts. Even on Mystery Science Theater, the shorts are always some of my favorite things. Uh, that's true for a lot of people. Uh, especially, it's particularly true for me with the Rift Tracks. But Rift Tracks is starting, is doing, redoing a lot of stuff. They redid Manos. They did? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. They they. they they did their own riff of Manos, and I, I think it was one of the Fathom simulcasts. I think it was a live show. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the only thing that I, the last thing I want to say about Mr. Uh, the new Mystery Science Theater is the one thing that really made me happy. My what? The one of my one complaints about the new show. Um, by the end of the season, I'm now figuring out who's who. Oh, as far as the voice, the robot the voice is in the theater. I'm starting to yeah. differentiate who the characters are now. So I'm yeah, like. It's okay. It took a while for me to. It, yeah, but I mean, but, but when I watched the last episode, I'm like, okay, that's him, that's him. Okay, I get it now. I, you're, the personalities are more formed again. This is awesome. Okay. So, but anyway. The, la right. the last yeah. thing I want to say. Yes, yes. Is if you're listening to this and if you've been saying, oh, I got to catch up to that mystery set, like like Dave Probert said when we when uh, he was yeah. on the show. He goes, oh, I've been meaning to watch that, but it never aired in Britain. And um, Now's a really great time. Get on Netflix Watch the episodes. There's really no bad ones. Start wherever you want. I, um, if you haven't seen the old episodes, go on YouTube. My God, the entire fucking run of the show is on YouTube. Much of it is. Uh, a lot of it is, is put up by Shout Factory, which releases the DVDs. And the yep. Shout Factory channel on YouTube 
they're very they're pristine prints. I mean, I was used to watching, you know, in some cases, a lot of episodes I only saw in second generation VHS dupes. So the the modern world is 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 fucked in a lot of ways, but it's great in a lot of ways. That's one of the ways it's great. But anyway, they also have classic MST episodes from the Comedy Central run on Netflix. They've got yep, 12 yep. or 24 or something. So hop on, watch them. The, the more people who do, the better chance that there will be further episodes. That's okay. my people's. Scott, test for you. I'm going to give you a riff. See if you can tell me the movie that it came from. Oh, out of the, out of the 110 episodes. <laughs> okay. This is actually this is actually my favorite riff in the history of classic MST. Okay. This one line, the first time I saw this episode, uh, one of my best friends at the time and I, we just gotten into it, and I was taping them. And that I'd go over and we'd watch them. I was literally taping them on the VHS and editing out the commercials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, then I'd go over to my friend's house and we'd watch them. And um, here is the setup and here is the riff. Setup. But what about us, riff? I give not a crap for thee. Can't place it. Fire Maidens of Outer Space. Fire Maidens of Outer Space. Okay, let me give you one. Uh, okay, I'll try it. Not a setup, just a riff that, okay. I, that I love. Man, every frame of this film looks like someone's last known photograph. I recognize the line, but I can't give you a movie. I'm kind of cheating. It's Manos. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> okay, yeah, that was cheating, but that's okay. Good call. Okay, we both suck at this. Wonder Woman! Mm. Yes. We do things that don't suck. Yes, 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 indeed. Holy well, I, we, we don't know what went on in that one scene where she and, you know, Steve spent the night in the village they liberated. But... And they were, and that was, I was, as much as I did not want that to happen, I like how they did that. I really liked how they did it. I didn't want it to happen. Here's what, here's how I felt. I, I thought, oh, they're not going to do this, are they? Oh, they're closing the door. Oh, she's, oh, they're going to do that. But I didn't want to see it. Right. I'm turning into my mother. I didn't want to see it. But I'm glad they. I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that that's part of the character's history because then that that, that whole you know I love you thing at the end made a lot more sense because yes. it's like well you guys have spent like 72 hours together but you know they they had a they had a passionate moment I just it was just a kiss and that was it was very in keeping with the superhero feel uh, in principle so. I, I did, I did, I, I changed my mind about about not wanting it to happen to being glad it happened to being really uh, impressed with the way they did it and the way it paid off at the end of the movie um, because it led to a line that showed that um, uh, Patty, Patty Jenkins, the director? Patty Jenkins, yep. Patty Jenkins and, and the writer gets Wonder Woman Exactly as much as Zack Snyder does not get Superman. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And I, I got to tell you, like I said, and I I'll wasn't... tell you what the line is when we get to the end of the review. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. So I, I, like I said, I went into the film. Uh, we went opening night, 
and I was pretty stoked. Like I said, I mean, she was. We talked about this when we talked about the evil film. She was one of the only good things in Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, have you seen have you seen this meme that's going around? It's a shot of her when she first lands, you know, on the on the whatever Rikers Island, whatever they call it, oh, Strikers yeah, yeah. Island. And it's it's her when she's facing off. She's standing there looking at. Um, doomsday and superman and batman are in the background looking at her and there's a, a superman's lies um you want to ask her if we can be in one of her movies <laughs> that's freaking perfect so like i said i went into this film and again my only real connection to wonder woman is well linda carter right most I mean, people well, most people that's true. And or Super Friends, you know, I mean, I'm a child of the 70s, so it was Super Friends or Linda Carter. I mean, again, not being that much, again, not being a superhero comic reader. I know of her, but had, didn't know a lot of her history. My knowledge is from that. So I went into this movie going, okay, we got a, we got a great hot actress. We had one great action scene. I like the director. Go ahead, impress me. And within the first 10 minutes... I was utterly charmed and in love with baby Diana. I don't mean that in a sick way. Yeah, I took that for granted. Um, yeah, usually when a kid shows up, um, it, it's it, it always makes me a little sick to my stomach because uh, children just should not be seen or heard in any form of entertainment. In fact, if you could just keep them out of sight generally, I'd be happy with that. But it's not going to happen, so you got to face it. Um, and, and usually when it's, you know, you know, it's like, oh, it's, here's, here's your hero. And it's just a quick flashback to their childhood. Go, okay, fine. Just get through it quickly. That's all I ask. But I actually go, oh no, you can see the roots of her. You can see her. She takes such like, like when, when she's shown this, the, the God killer sword, uh-huh. you know, now, now, now you're, this is not for you. Her mother saying, and there's like an almost crazed look in this kid's eyes. Yep, like, oh, yep. yes, it is. Yeah, oh. that was so awesome. Now, I would like since I don't want I really don't want to get into our usual um, UMC plot discussion on this, really, because I know I actually know a lot of people who still haven't seen this yet. Yeah, I don't want to discourage anyone from seeing it at all. So we're um, gonna and remain- I also. Yeah, I also don't want to. I also don't want anyone to think that I'm doing this for a principled reason. I just have no notes. <laughs> I just I saw you know I ran, ran into the theater, saw it, you know, ran home. Uh, so, we're, so we're not we're not we're not going to be as detailed. I just want to talk about a few things that I really liked about the film as non spoiler as non spoiler. We'll tell you if we're going to get into spoilers, really. But um, the first thing that I really want that I want to mention is um and i mentioned this to you and i i was very happy that you really took off with this is the fact that um the thing that totally amazed me about the film that i was not expecting at all was how wonderful the relationship between diana and um trevor were chris pine and gal gadot were fucking amazing together and the phrase that i used that you really latched onto was they were very hepburn and tracy Yes. Yeah. I, I, it's, it was at first I would say it's cause it's not, it's not sophisticated, um, at all. It's so it's not like a Nick and Nora Charles banter kind of thing. No. There's a lot of na- there's a lot of naivete on both sides, which you would get in, in the Tracy Hepburn films, depending upon, you know, who, which one it was, uh, 
I mean, Pat Mike, for instance. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> to give an example of a naif character. But, yeah, it's it, it was it was utterly charming. And the way that they connect, um, even though the first time they really have a conversation that goes that, you know, is more than just. So what are you doing here? Oh, my God, Germans. Um a, a, a conversation where they get to know each other at all. I mean, he's basically just sort of standing there nude, cupping his genitals. Yeah. Like you do. Um, hey, at least he cuffed him. He could have stayed. He could have stood there with the captain's log dropping all over the place. Exactly. Uh, it's it was done in a kind of oddly charming, not smirky, uh, not leering way. Uh, I'll, I'll it's just. The, everything about it was atypical in in its romance. You know, the, the whole when she and he goes, all right, well, here, you, you sleep on these blankets and I'll sleep over here by the tiller. And she goes, oh, you don't. Oh, I see. So you don't. Oh, you're not allowed to sleep with women. No, it's, you know, they're, they're little. It's just everything was done in a charming, not overly heavy handed way. Not it, it was all done by in a way that showed that the actors seemed to have. I mean, the actors seem to have a, a sense of humor. Nothing felt forced. Nothing felt forced. The director had a sense of humor. The script was very uh, deft. And none of it felt like, again, I hate to beat up on Zack Snyder. Oh, but, please do. Well, no, but it's it's it's. But it's in, true. in Zack Snyder movies, when something funny happens, it's like, okay, we need a little joke here. Or we need a funny mo- moment. And rather than just throwing in a funny moment, you get it's like the hand that would come at the end of a Jack Webb, like Dragon episode, the big hand with the sweaty arm and the hammer and go clang. A what I like to call the Oliver Stone mighty hammer of pretentiousness. Right. That would drive the joke into the into the, the film. And here the, the 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 humorous moments were all just very thrown away, all very quick. All very. If you weren't even listening to the dialogue, you you might have missed it. Especially um, when, um, oh uh, God, my I'm sorry, I'm so tired of my brain. Uh, uh, who played Etta Candy? Oh, uh, I don't. I don't remember her name. Uh, uh, was it uh, from uh, the office, the British office? Yes. Yeah. I, I know. I, I don't know who she. I know who you're talking about. Okay. Well, she does. Um, she. The, the stuff that she does when they once they meet her, there's Ooh, so I much like of this. Her. Yes, it's the same trait. It's like when like when Judy and Ho- Judy Holiday shows up at Adam's rib. I mean, it's just some, <laughs> oh, my God, who, that's brilliant, Scott. Yeah, it's like somebody who's going to play at their level of of humor. And that's I, a great it, analogy, Scott. I know. That, wow. Nice. Lucy Davis. Lucy Davis. Ah, thank you. That's her name. Lucy Davis. Yes. Praise to Lucy Davis. You you were just as good as the rest of them. You held your own. Well done. The other thing that I want to point out, and then I'll get, throw it to you for things that you specifically want to point out, if there's anything specific you want to point out, is the other thing that really impressed me, and I didn't think, at first I was annoyed until I found out the reasoning behind it. I love the fact that they did not use the Wonder Woman theme until midway through the movie. Yes, they used it smartly when, and sparingly. When she became Wonder Woman, the first hour of the film, she is not Wonder Woman. She is Diana Prince, or just Diana. 
Prince, Princess of Princess, Themyscira. Princess of Them- Themyscira. So the music was um, very different, very different. But once she becomes the hero, that song comes down big time. And I swear, much like it happened in Batman versus Superman, when she charges into that into that that village and that music starts hammering, I cheered. Mm-hmm. That moment, not- I was just like, I was so into that movie. I was just like, yeah. The only and there's and there's that, been no absolute there's been no moment no yeah moments in, in like that in any DC movies there have been moments that I've liked there have been exciting moments but there's been nothing that would made me want to cheer and I and I had two of them in Wonder Woman oh what was the other well that that scene when she when she officially becomes Wonder Woman when she's in the trench. Mm, she walks across no man's land. Not even that. The moment when she just, oh, just right. comes up over the trench. Right. I'm like, that, there's, there's the her hero time. moment. Yeah. When she she uh, finally doffs her cloak and you see you see her in the armor. You've only yep. seen bits and glimpses up yep. until that. So, yeah. That moment right there, I cheered in that whole scene with the in, in the village. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm cheering. I have never seen the lasso get used as a weapon before. That was amazing. I didn't even mind the slightly crappy CG with the people flying around because it just looked so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just, it was just a really, it was just a, oh. I, the, again, I just wish the ending hadn't relied too much on excessive CG flames and big lights in the sky, because then it just felt like every other film. But I understand that it, it's part of the convention, and I'm cool with it. I would, but it's just like I was just like everything else about that movie had been so 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 different. Do we have to have the big flamey conclusion? That looks just like the end of Batman versus Superman. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't bad, and it is in keeping with the genre. What I felt about it was. Okay, but this movie deserves better. Thank you. That's yes. That's that's how I. Yes, that's it. It's been so good. It's not that it's bad. It didn't bad. It didn't nosedive. It didn't fall apart in the end like a lot of them do. It's just like she deserves better. Hopefully, hopefully next movie. Give her better. Trust the audience. I mean, we were we we rewatched Doctor Strange um, the other night. Okay, uh, because it's just. Uh, we're, we're watching a lot of stuff on Netflix because it's it's difficult for Mary to to move out to the living room uh, where the TV hooked up to the cable is. Right. And so we rewatched it, and and I was uh, again impressed with how smart how smartly written that movie is, and how bravely they they buck the convention at the very end because there is no big battle there is no there, there's very little uh uh there's very little of the action flamey lasery stuff that goes on at the at the very end of doctor strange what it is is it's an idea that they plant early on that they reinforce in in subtle ways that they pay off very cleverly and it's it, it comes down to him outwitting the villain in a way that that you completely understand in a way that's dependent on very specific to what his power is. But you were with him when he discovered this, this aspect of his power and why it was dangerous. And then why only he at the end, he he was the only character. Sometimes you wonder like, why the hell are you the chosen one? Why are you, you just showed up here. You're like 30 something years old. There's, there's, I'm sure there's sorcerers who were raised in this, this lamasery 
you know, who are probably, you know, much more knowledgeable about this stuff than you. So you so you you're good with Google Translate and you've got a photographic memory. That doesn't mean that you should be the most powerful character. Just it's just because you're the white guy. Is that it? But they did a good job <laughs> because he because he was an outsider. He he questioned and broke rules and learned and tried stuff that everyone else never would have. It never would have occurred to other people to do because it was forbidden. And he goes, oh, I didn't know I was. Oh, was I not supposed to do that? Sorry. Why not? Oh, crap. Oh, yeah, that would have been bad. So it was really, really clever. And even though they didn't do it in Wonder Woman, they did do that with the emotional beats. Agreed. So completely it was agreed. E- equally well written film. I, 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 com- I could totally agree with you on that. Anything specific that you wish to um, praise for our dear Miss Diana? Yeah, I'll just say one thing, and this is a spoiler, but... Spoiler, three, two, one, pig fucker. Okay, go, Scott. Okay. The two things they did that I think, that, that I, I hope people learn from, and I have no faith they will. One, they, they, sh- because they showed how to handle... The girlfriend in every superhero movie would Steve, yeah, make them male, turn them into Steve Trevor because he was not useless. She wasn't dragging a boat anchor. He didn't, he wasn't, didn't suddenly turn out to be smarter or more powerful than her. He was helpful in a realistic way. He, he was not resentful of, of her. And he was, his, his attachment to her. Was not wasn't the 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 creepy Lois Lane. Oh, but I like you because you're Superman. But I don't like your you know your. It was like it wasn't just that it wasn't this power fetish because when he met her, she was just a woman as far as yep. he knew. Yep. But she, but you know he she saved him from drowning. It's not like when when uh, you know Christopher Reeve catches Lois when she you know is falling from the helicopter. So it it was he was the character of Steve Trevor was treated with respect, not more respect than the hero. He didn't get to, he got to shine, but he didn't get to eclipse her in any yep. way. And if, if the love interests in any movie going forward, any superhero movie going forward, can be done with the same amount of respect, I would be very happy. And I, I think a ton of people who, who find these movies problematic because of the way they treat, I'll, I'll say women because they're, they're the default love interest, um, yeah, it sometimes it just takes breaking the mold and just reversing. It's like saying, "Well, you know, you don't think that's racist? What, what, what if you just change the word, put the word Jew in there?" Oh, yes, I see what you mean. That's racist. Well, you don't think that, that that's insulting the the way that uh, she's depicted. How about if she was a man? Would you want to see a man doing that? Oh, I see what you mean. Well, they they instead of doing it, instead of showing the bad example, they showed the good example. Put a man in there, show how you know the love interest can work, and then now do that with the girl. So that worked. And the other thing was the one thing that is true about Wonder Woman every single incarnation is is that she believes in love. She's yep. not she, it's not this these Boy Scout ideals that Superman has. It's not this 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 trying to fit in as a as a, uh, you know, an, an, an alien and trying to out out American everybody else. It's that's that's her. Those are her principles. That that is that that's what she defends and and that that is what she's all about. And it could have been the worst moment if they hadn't earned it. It would have made it would have been so groan worthy 
when she's when when he's when she says that you know when when uh, the villain says they don't deserve you and she goes it's not about deserve. oh it's that scene a, okay it's about it's about what you believe right and and Steve Trevor by this point has just sacrificed himself not for her not to save her but to save all the other unpowered mortals around to save ordinary people and she says I believe in love yep and it could have been horrific it's just the kind of thing that would have sent me out of uh, many movies just clutching my stomach and bitching to the skies and instead it's, no that's wonder woman you absolutely nailed it you you she deserves to, uh, you, you just the character deserves to have the audience take that at face value because she has demonstrated that not not from the very beginning she has she had this this warrior ethos very early on she goes she was all about i'm going to kill the god of war yep. and then war will end she had good motives but she had you know she she had the 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 amazonian ethic that she she was not not above um you know a call to arms but she becomes the character who believes in love as the movie progresses and she not because she becomes wonder woman as the she film becomes goes a wonder on. woman exactly not because you know she falls in love with this guy but because she meets people who are outside of her experience and she sees them at their best and at their worst. Yep. And she sees how they treat each other and how they hurt each other and how they forgive each other. And it sounds dull when you say it that way, but it's all done in a very exciting movie. That's exciting because you care because there's there are, even though there's a superhuman character in the, in the, the focus of it, there are very human stakes throughout it's not like, oh, my God, it might, it's like we complained about Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, no, every planet in the universe is going to get covered over by the, you know, this sphagnum moss. Um, Kurt nope. Russell's thing is invading everything. Exactly. You know, Kurt Russell's, Kurt Russell's Chia planets. <laughs> Chia planet. <laughs> no, you know, you, you can't, your mind can't conceive of that. So it that doesn't matter. Nobody gives a crap. It's like, oh, well, every planet will be covered with Gia stuff. That's too bad. But here it's like, you know, these people, you really don't want them to die when they do. You feel bad. It's it's like, don't don't lose sight of the human element. And that's what so many action movies do, not just superhero movies. No, action, action. films. And, yo, you're right. That, that That's always been why one of the reasons why most I, I'm not a big action film fan. That's why I usually say they're summer movies, because all big bang boom. And I keep saying these would be so much better if I actually gave a shit about somebody in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take that much. Give, as I, you've heard me. I've said it before on the show. Give me one character, one character that I like, and I will go anywhere with the film. Exactly. And and they did that here. They, in fact, there was an embarrassment of riches. There were there were several characters that I wanted that I was more than happy to follow. Uh, completely. Oh, and one last thing for me on this. I want to follow up on something you said, talking about you know, wait, what the, how he was the. Um, a great example of the love interest and not eclipsing. One of my favorite moments for him is um, actually right before the big action scene. You know, she says, or, wait here or follow me right before she runs into the village. And um, Steve Trevor's two guys look at him like, you're going to let a woman tell you that? And he just kind of looks at them and goes, look what she's doing. Yeah, exactly. I kind of, I kind of, the, the look on his face and I, and I, I, I thought, I wish they'd said the line. Because I think it would have got a laugh, and I thought, but actually, you don't need it because his face his face says, says it all. Said, they, the guy, yeah, the guy with the the uh, uh, fez looks at him. Uh, and when she does the thing, every male hero says, "Stay here," you know, and and he he looks back like, 
do you want to argue with her? Yep. <laughs> and that's that, that look. I I I like Chris Pine. I I think I personally think he's made a couple of really bad choices acting wise, but I was genuinely surprised by his performance in this. Yeah. And I shouldn't have been because I I may not have liked the film a lot, but his performance as uh, Cinderella's prince and in Into the Woods was amazing. Mm. That his yeah. performance of the song Agony just utterly blew me away. It was a sight of Chris Pine that I had never seen before, and I was like, "Okay, we have layers here. Good job." And in this film, once again, I just I I I want to see him do a romantic comedy now, a well-written romantic comedy. Yeah, sadly that that's a genre that is that is uh, in eclipse right now. Here we go. We we get putting... we get Patty Jenkins and and we get whoever wrote the writers of Wonder Woman and we get them together and we just have them do a romantic comedy. I'm not saying we work something like Pat and Mike, but I'm saying you might use that as a stepping stone. Yes, you know I I, I do like him. I I I thought he would give a good performance. I I've liked a lot of the stuff he's done. The the thing that worried me about Chris Pine is when I heard he was cast as Steve Trevor, I thought, oh man, he's gonna he's gonna suck up too much screen time. They're not gonna hire this guy and then not let him be a major driving force in the plot. Right. And they did exactly that. They hired him and they let him fulfill the the love interest, the the supporting role, and never steal the spotlights. And and yet still make you care about him so he he made the most of every moment he had on screen whether he was it was it was comedic or tragic or whatever heroic <laughs> or heroic yes he he had he plenty really of heroic was, see, trevor was a hero he was a he was a badass but he was a human badass mm-hmm. uh-huh and my final word on wonder woman the thing that most impressed me out of everything with that movie not once not once did the in, in the entire film did i think of lyle wagner <laughs> And on that note, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> wow, that took a second for you. <laughs> well, I was just trying to think, like, well, I wonder, how, is it, was that really a widespread problem for a lot of people? <laughs> Probably not if, for a lot of people. I was thinking, you know what? It may be a bigger problem than we think, than we want to admit. There may be more. <laughs> All right, folks, we want to thank you for joining us, because especially since now that you know that we're not dead yet. Um, coming very soon, hopefully, Scott, myself, and Mrs. C herself will be joining us as we begin our in-depth discussion of Firefly. That's right. Coming relatively soon, we're gonna start. We're gonna start off with the pilot, the two-hour pilot. And we're going to go nuts with that. Scott, any final words before we say bye-bye? Speaking of things I came with, I came to way too late to do any good. Yeah, me too. Me too. But we will talk about that one next time. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think yeah. the next, uh, uh, just a, a quick note, probably the next uh, new movie crew uh, bang will be for Spider-Man. So oh, is that, what, is that what we're aiming for? Okay. All that's, right. I believe so. Okay. Um, and we got a couple interesting things cooking in the vein of the uh, the uh, three racist Asian detectives. <laughs> so that reminds be- me, real fast. Oh, my God, I forgot to tell you the story. Speaking of that, 
Mm-hmm. Speaking of that show, uh, I had a customer come into work the other night, and um, she was looking at me funny the entire time that I was in there, and I just thought, okay, she's looking at the tall, bald guy weirdly. And she says to me, like she, I, she, I, I'm taking her order. I'm at the front counter, and she's still talking to me funny. And she goes to get her drink, and then she comes back, and she goes, I have a kind of a weird question for you. Are you Ike? Ha! Wow. And I was like, yeah. And she freaked out because apparently she has been a fan since I the second incarnation of Mike and Ike was entirely written. And it was for a theater email list that I subscribed to. And it was just Mike and Ike doing theater reviews. Mm-hmm. And the running joke there was they hated me with a livid breathing passion. Every show that I did at that time period. <laughs> They ragged on me religiously. Even if they, even if they liked the show, they hated my guts. Gotcha. Well, the theory behind that was if you can't make fun of yourself, you can't make fun of other people. And I like making fun of other people, so I should make fun of myself. Fair enough. Uh, that, that, but anyway, we were talking, and as it turns out, she's followed through the video. She followed through um, the ass jam. And the reason I'm bringing this up, she's now listening to the Slumgullion. What's her name? Uh, her name is Marie. Hello, Marie. Yes, exactly. And best of all, she freaking loved. I mean, she's liked everything so far. I mean, she 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 likes the new format. She adores you. Oh well, who doesn't? That oh, oh, oh don't push it there, Scott. But <laughs> um, she's liked every episode so far. But her two favorite episodes have been rabid. Ha! <laughs> okay. <laughs> because she feels the exact same about the film that we do. Oh, all right. Good. She was like, that's the first time that she's heard like a horror fan go, this movie really isn't that great. Yeah, it's not a I heard it's after not that a show. Popular, it's not a popular opinion. We are definitely in the minority. Yeah. But, I mean, she said it was nice to hear somebody say it, but then she absolutely loved our Asian detective episode because it was an area of film that she knew absolutely nothing about, and she actually went online and watched a Mr. Moto film. Hmm. What did she think? Because she's a Peter Laurie fan, and she didn't even know that he had done that. Uh, I don't know which one she watched. Actually, she didn't tell me. She just said that you. I'm actually. She said I'm now going to start uh, check out the Wong films. I've seen enough Charlie Chan, but I know about these other two. So you gave me a whole new genre of films to watch. She actually thanked us. Wow. Well, not well, a new genre, but I mean, new a whole new series yeah. of films that she did not know before. Well, thank you for listening, Marie, and we're glad we could return the favor. Absolutely. So, hey, guys, uh, since he said, if you have any particular genre that you might want to hear us do an overview, send that to us. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, come on. We've discussed hillbilly porn. We've discussed Asian detectives. <laughs> there are plenty of hillbilly porn. I love that episode. That was a great episode, too. That was so much fun. That was. I forget. It's weird. I completely forgot about it. But, yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> but, I mean, if there is, a, if there is a, a genre out there or a series of films out there that you would like us to take a look at, please do so. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Scott Clevenger, at The Slum Gullion, or you, our email address at theslumgullion at AOL.com. And why is it at AOL.com, Scott? Because there's nothing on AOL. There's plenty of room for mail. Exactly. And on that note, we'll see you soon and later. Do-do-do.
do, do, Slumgullion. We still got some guests on the Slumgullion. We're not showing breasts on the Slumgullion. Should probably fade on the Slumgullion. Slumgullion.